there's definitely a fun side and, I, and I'm beyond blessed and we all are to be able to do what we do. But when people think it's, it was, oh, you guys just got lucky, you smoked weed on everything and it was great. Like, no way. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to Going Deep with Aaron Watson. Today's guest is Will DeZombach. Will is the manager of Pittsburgh hip-hop artist Wiz Khalifa. He is the co-CEO and founder of Taylor Gang Entertainment and a prolific player in the music and entertainment industry. In today's conversation, we talk all about the early days of connecting with Wiz and helping him grow his career. We talk about their newest restaurant concept, Hotbox by Wiz, which is a Cloud Kitchens delivery-only restaurant. And we talk about some of the marketing strategies that he and the team deployed while they were growing the brand and how important that's been to their success. I learned a lot. I found it fascinating. I know you will as well. Here is Will DeZombach. You're listening to Going Deep with Aaron Watson. Thanks for coming in here and being on the podcast, man. Of course. Thanks for having me. So I reached out to you because I saw the news. I don't know if it was Complex or wherever the the headline was um, that Wiz is launching a ghost kitchen, Hotbox by Wiz. And Hannah and I have been going crazy for like just the general idea of ghost kitchens for a while now. It's it's clever, you know, not having the physical uh, area where people actually come in, but it's all delivery. Tell me about the idea like when the start of this happened and how long it took to germinate before you guys launched here at the beginning of october uh so this idea came to us through a friend of mine and uh it came in may of this year when everything was going along okay and we worked on it all the way up through the launch so uh it's just a very interesting idea we always Wiz loves being in tech things. I love being in tech things and being at the forefront of stuff. And and when we were pitched the idea, we had heard about it and and done a lot of research on it and how it all works financially. And and this deal really made sense and was in in a great place, better than a lot of the other ones that we had been talking about. So uh, our partners, Ordermark and NextBite, really, really knocked it out of the park. Yeah. And, and the brilliance of it to me was not, not only is it very like tech forward and very like where things are going as opposed to where things are, particularly in a pandemic when not everyone's necessarily looking to go into a physical physical location to eat, but the, the kind of brand alignment where, you know, for, forever there's been the band, they play their songs, you buy the music and you buy the, the kind of standard merch as a t-shirt or something. And that's as far as it goes. But the kind of brand that's been built around uh, Wiz's music is this, you know, in the cut, like we're, we're in the high, we're having our munchies and all the kind of names of the food on the menu as well. So it seemed like perfectly aligned. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we love doing. And, and, and that's a huge part behind our strategy is, you know, to make him bigger than just the music to make him a multifaceted whole business. You know, uh, his app is, is the second most successful celebrity app ever. And it still crushes, you know, we, we had over 10 million downloads and still have over a million active users. So it's all, all these different silos add into, you know, the excitement behind him and all the various things he does. And Hotbox was just another great thing to add into the the character and everything that, that kind of goes on with it. 
And it seems like there's just no stopping. Like, like from the early mixtapes to Black and Yellow breaking out, and maybe maybe that's not the framework that you have it, but I have this memory of being at the first concert back at Stage E after uh, Black and Yellow blew up, right. and just like this complete shift. It, it was just staggering. Like the you know people around the corner for the the concert and everything, um, but you know there's no real relenting in terms of the business empire you guys are building yeah it, it, that's one of the the main things i live my life by and wiz does is just like if you ever stop learning you stop growing so we never want to be like uh oh, we know everything it's, it's it's learning and evolving and growing because the guys that think they know it all are the ones that get stuck and stop growing yeah how's the model changed from like the early days when it was still very either concert centric or album sales centric to streaming centric like how has the business of being a music artist changed since you kind of started with was back was that 2000 2007 yeah uh it's just faster it's it's because so there's so much access to recording there's so it's Back when we started, we were selling and pushing physical compact discs where you had to go print it and wait for it to be printed and make sure it wasn't messed up. And if there's a mess up, it's like a huge screw up. And now it's like, oh, that was the wrong mix uploaded to the whole world. Ah, we can just switch it out. No one's going to know. And it's just a whole different world of speed and, and technology being in it and reading and researching and figuring out who are the hype beasts and who are the real deal. Because... You know, you get pitched a million ideas every day and you got to know the key questions to ask and what to point out to to know if, if someone's being legit or, or not. And that's like the Hotbox thing. You know, th- we had heard other pitches in the similar, you know, idea, but it just didn't make sense. And, and when we really got in with Ordermark and NextBite, it was like, okay, you guys really get it and understand how to how to grow this thing. And that's... That's that's the biggest change, I would say. So I think that's such an interesting filter. And I think that there's that the art of filtering the hype beast from the real deal, mm-hmm. the ability to discern those characters and make that filtering decision. That's almost like one of the universal skills. So whether you're in the restaurant business or the music business or any other business, building that capacity how have you, I mean, it's reps, but like how else have you honed that ability? Because you need it when you're deciding who to signed to your label you're, you're using that in every instance it just and I, I know you would agree with this is just there's so much more data available now is really diving into the data and doing something with it so many people will pound their chest oh, i have all this data it's like yeah but did you read it yeah like do you understand it or are you just regurgitating what someone has already told you and it, it's that and i'm a huge believer in team and bouncing other ideas off people and, and being able to cut through the nonsense and what's real and important and the things to prioritize. Yeah. And I'd imagine what also makes the speed possible. So it's actually like kind of crazy. If you think about it, like you're talking about the speed of the music coming out. We're also talking about like the idea for a restaurant to occur was idea in May to restaurant launched in October. That's four months. That's simultaneously a lot of time and like no time at all. So that, that speaks to me, not only the partners that you had that were capable of spinning something up that quickly. How many you guys launched with 50 locations? Yep. That's and crazy. we're going to keep growing. Yeah. And that's the capacity is, so can you talk a little bit about how that works? Like actually at the technical execution of the cloud, because I know you have that partner, but like, are they finding the commercial kitchens for you and staffing that on your behalf and then like training them up on your guys' specific recipes? Mm-hmm. Uh, they're a software company that's already in a lot of these restaurants. So a lot of these restaurants use their software. Gotcha. So they're partners and they go out and 
pitch the idea to all their partners and they have thousands of partners across the country and test it out in areas they think it'll work the best with, you know, great fulfillment partners that they already know and they already do business with that they know are legit and then grow it. You know, if you, if you go too wide at first, it'll, it'll be too much. Yeah. So grow it, create a demand and, and they have great connections and partners through their other businesses to, to do that. And how did you guys come up with the menu? So like, like the names were fantastic, but even just like the specific foods, was it your guys' favorite foods? Was it stuff that was data tested that like people like wings or? It was a combination of both. They, so they laid out a, a huge menu of things that they know work, are easy to do, are easy to replicate in, all across the country. Yeah. And we narrowed, and, and we had a, a whole conversation about Wiz's favorite foods, what he likes, what he doesn't like. And so we had a very broad menu and then did a taste test, which was insane. It was like a four hour taste test. That Fif- sounds like a good day. 15 <laughs> courses with a couple breaks in yeah. between to, to re get our appetite up. Yeah. But yeah, we tried so much food and narrowed it down into what fits and, and what's easy to, to, you know, keep quality control on. And I think that that's such an interesting angle for this because it is kind of personality centric. And if he didn't like turkey burgers, it wouldn't make, like, it, forget the margins, forget the, like, it sells well. It has to be something that he can authentically, or, like, even the fact that you guys vlog so much. You, you There's all this kind of known knowledge in the public domain about Taylor Gang that if there was never a turkey burger to be seen, then it would be completely out of place for that to be on the menu. And, and that goes back to what I was saying. That's how we build our brand and make things believable. It's things Wiz actually enjoys. Yeah. You know, I'm not out, out here trying to sell cleaning products because it's like, that would never make sense. And people would see right through this, oh, these people clearly paid Wiz for an ad. Yeah. But if we do things and come up with brands that he actually truly enjoys, it, it sells itself and makes the process way easier. So how do you think about that persona then in the line of where everyone's like multi-hyphenate? There's the, a, a, a musician or an artist or an entrepreneur or these other things. Like, do you, how, do you think about trying to bucket the persona in that way? Or are you always looking to kind of push it beyond whatever boundaries have been laid? I, I, I think not to either one of those points. It's just about keep growing. Yeah. Right. Because things are going to change. Like we talked about earlier, like when we first started, we were selling CDs, the MP3 download isn't even a thing anymore. That's how much things have changed, you know? So I think it's just about constantly growing and coming up with new ideas and constantly evolving. Cause if you do the same thing over and over, people are going to move past that because there is so much data, so many new things coming out constantly. You need to just constantly try different things and, and not be scared to try different things. Because if you stay in the same box, people will be like, I know you do all that. That's that's dumb. Yeah. So tell me about your evolution then. Like, let's go back to the start of you as managers back in 2007. You were, you organized a concert at Penn State. Yeah. So I was in a band in high school and uh, I was a big pop punk kid and I believed in all that touring that way. And when all my friends decided, hey, we're band thing, let's go to college. Instead, I was like, ah. <laughs> went to school, but I knew how to promote shows because I'd been in a band and doing yeah. shows since I was like 14. I was like, okay, I could do, I could get a real job or do this. And at the time, in at Penn State, the 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 Mr. Smalls of Penn State was this bar called the Crow Bar that closed when I was a senior. So the only place to see concerts was at the arena. And I was like, oh, I'm gonna kill it. There's 40,000 kids here. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesdays are days no promoters want at Penn State. Kids Thursday, Friday, Saturday 
want to go to a, a frat and drink, I'll take all the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesdays, pay a lower rate, and I have a built-in audience of 40,000 people. If I can get 500 kids in there, I'm making money. Yeah, that's a relatively easy ratio. So I know that was a long-winded explanation, but that that's – and uh, I had a fraternity brother. I had met Wiz the summer after um, senior year, between senior year of high school and freshman year of college. Okay. And, you know, Pittsburgh's small. Everyone meets everyone yeah. pretty easily. Um, and it was just in passing, whatever. And, and I had a, f- a frat brother who really liked his music. And the frat brother passed away. And we did a memorial concert for him with Wiz. And I was like, I'll reach out, see if they'd be interested. And he ended up coming up to Penn State. We had enough money to pay him, but didn't have enough place for him to stay. So I was like, you can stay at my apartment. Then he ended up hanging out for five days. And, you know, we just started our relationship there. And uh, I went from being his assistant to road manager to co-manager to manager to business partner and just been trying to grow and 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 you know keep the wheels turning so so take us so like manager can mean so many different things it can mean business strategist it can mean fixer it can mean consigliere it can mean um you know first critic on like a first track that gets produced so how has how has that evolved like when you're assistant, maybe that's more like run this errand, get this task completed. How did that evolve as the business of Wiz evolved? Um, I think a manager's role is subjective and anyone can interpret it differently for the situation they're in. And Wiz and I are not only, you know, business partners, we're best friends. We live together for six years. You know, when we go on tour, we still just share a bus and, you know, it, and so it's it's all those things and more, you know, yeah. it, it's covering the whole spectrum and, you know, I, just supporting each other and being able to have the conversations and do all those various things and, and building a team and having him trust me to build the team around them to execute, you know, his vision. Because ultimately that's the goal is to support your friends and help them execute their vision. I never wanted to be like a rapper. So, you know, I was always intrigued by the, the business of music and that's I just that's my role you know and it's it's interesting in hip-hop you see so many people that have these managers that I'll I won't say the artist's name but an artist that you know had some success but was much smaller than Wiz their manager got on the phone and I don't know if I'm allowed to say this on the podcast but tried to big dick me and was like I'm getting my Porsche washed and blah blah I'm like great I'm calling <laughs> you about a YouTube algorithm deal like what the I don't give a fuck Oop, excuse me yeah it's all, it's all good it's all but, good you know yeah so, so the funny thing about that, and um, not as long, but Han and I have been business partners for about two and a half years. And what I've found is it's it's a bunch of conversations, but it's actually like just this macro ongoing conversation of this thing that we're building together and how each conversation almost like bleeds into the next until you reach this depth of number one, there's insane trust. Like you don't, you don't start with that great trust, but you, you dive deep into that and you reach it it's like okay i know i can trust you you're gonna go in that direction you are our visions align our missions align and we can roll yeah and i imagine that's a big part of it's like just knowing having the autonomy to to make those decisions when things get really big and hairy yeah yeah and and just being able to navigate all that and you know especially being in the limelight there's a million other little chirper voices and being able to keep our communication clear you know with each other is a super special bond and something I, I love having with, with him. Yeah. So tell me about like, was there a oh shit moment or was there a, a moment where you kind of look back as 
I don't even know what the right word is. Like, like to me, watching that crowd at that concert after Black and Yellow was like, oh, it's different. Like, I, I remember listening to some of the mixtapes. Like, we would be driving to our Ultimate Frisbee tournaments, and my really good friend Pat, like, was like, dude, this guy is the truth. And then it was this enormous concert that felt like the entire city erupted with a specific type of energy. So that's that's kind of like the specific moment for me. But were there moments along the way in terms of just like, this is accelerating beyond our wildest visions or maybe you saw it all from the jump uh it, it was different for me because i uh i was just so in it you yeah. know and to me being a pittsburgh kid when we first started playing shows outside of pittsburgh to me it was like we are fucking lit yeah. like screw these losers like we're doing a show in cleveland and there's 200 people here yeah so for me that was the moment and it was like we got over you know five hundred dollars for a show like no one else in Pittsburgh's doing that, like in the hip hop world, like young, yeah. like us. So to me, that was the moment. And and there were all all types of like, you know, when Cush and Orange Juice came out, that it was already zooming, you know. I, I, like one of my most exciting moments was uh, right when Flight School came out. Do you remember Club Zoo? Yeah. Wiz played Club Zoo, and it was so crazy packed. Like, I'm friends with the the former owners now, and he was like, that was our biggest show by far ever. We were way over capacity. He was like, but it didn't matter. There, and I remember pulling up, and we were late, and the, the it was down the block, like all, almost to the Heinz History Center. I was like, there's no way this is real. Like, something, someone got shot or something bad happened. Yeah. And it wasn't. And it was, I was like, oh, it's, it's lit lit. And that was in, like, 2000 eight you know like two years before black and yellow so i just saw it through a different lens but it, it's so interesting to hear when people caught on to the wave you know because some people are like i knew Wiz at cushion orange juice it's like yeah but did you know him at this that and this? Prince of the city yeah exactly and and like when when that was be successful and then some people are like I, i've known Wiz since black and yellow it's like yeah but he was doing it for five years before that so it to, for me, that was the moment. Just doing shows outside of Pittsburgh was like, this is crazy. Was there also, I guess, a, a period where it shifted from like yes to everything versus mostly no, and we kind of have to be strategic with yes? Because I'd imagine like the first time someone said, hey, will you travel to this other city for this show? It's like, hell yeah. Like, like yeah. We're, we're doing everything we can. It's the ground game. We're hustling. And then at some point, it's like there's just an overwhelm of being hit up dms inbound that like we now have to shift into this like other posture of strategically filtering i think right after like the excite excitement of black and yellow was like because at that time we were just running 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 we weren't saying yes to everything at that point but like being strategic at that time and and because wiz had had, had gradual success we were good at going through things knowing what he's going to do what he's going to not want to do and but i think when because we toured for almost two years straight. When we got off that tour, it was like, okay, let's spend a whole summer where we just camped out, like got our bearings again and like, you know, just tightened it all up. And I think that's when we really got good at, you know, figuring things out and, and setting up base and, and growing. Right on. So what about some of the marketing strategies that you guys employed? Because like there's the famous story of Soldier Boy going and like uploading. Um, it wasn't Kazaa, but what was the other free file? LimeWire. LimeWire. Like just uploading other files with the names of like not his song, but it was his song that was like the file that people were downloading. Yeah. And all of a sudden it was like familiar. He was making these lists of it's like were there, there moves that you guys made or like strategies that you employed to help fuel the growth to get it going? 
it was it was just taking advantage of the internet. I think taking advantage of Twitter and YouTube and MySpace at that time was yeah. our thing. And you know, there were so many kids in New York, you know, that they could be around the labels. And as a kid from Pittsburgh, you're like, I don't know anyone in New York. And being able to really use the internet. And I think, you know, Wiz was one of the first ones to do it well, along with, you know, like Soldier Boy, Drake, and, and, and that world was what really changed changed the game for us, for sure. When we were talking with Chance from Keep Pittsburgh Dope, he was talking about how he watched the vlogs from the very earliest stages when it was just like a little handheld whatever, mm-hmm. and the amount of loyalty that that inspired from, from that perception of like I knew him when like I knew him from the earliest stages but also just getting a more kind of comprehensive view of the artist that you're really into his life like what else are they doing in addition to putting out this amazing track yeah I, I think that that super helps and, and if you look at everyone's blueprint now yeah. it's that's it that it's exactly what we were doing at the time and I think everyone's just trying to duplicate that like every every kid has their own videographer now and like everything is captured on everything at this point. And that was, I would say we were one of the, not first to do it, but we were one of the pioneers in definitely. recording everything definitely and putting really. it on the internet. So where did that, do you know where that idea came from? Do you know like wh- wh- how that started? Uh, Wiz just was always into YouTube. And then uh, one of his former publicists, Artie, had told him, you know, Twitter is going to be the next wave. He He crushed Twitter and, Wiz is really good on the computers, so back in the day, you know, I would shoot the footage if he was performing, and then I'd have to go to school during the day, like back to college, and he would spend the weeks chopping up the footage, putting out day-to-days on his MacBook, editing everything himself. So especially now, you know, when our videographers are editing stuff, he can be like, I know how long it takes to buffer. Like, don't give me that excuse, you know? (laughs) Yeah. You know, and, and... he has all the knowledge and it was his vision. And, and I think that's why he's had so much success because he's played all the roles of he's been his own cameraman, you know, all those type of things. Yeah. I mean, that's the consummate startup story. It's like, I, I'm not an accountant, but I kind of have to know basic accounting yes. to keep the lights on. And there's like every single vertical you eventually wear that hat. Totally. Totally. The Going Deep podcast is underwritten by Piper Creative. Shooting, editing, and publishing quality content is overwhelming. We make it easy so you can save time, build your brand, and grow faster. Say hello at pipercreative.co. Um, so another thing amongst the hats that you wear is a co-CEO of Taylor Gang Entertainment, which is the label that you guys developed together. And so maybe just tell me a little bit about what goes into that? And frankly, I don't really know a ton about the music business. Like we've been trying to cover stuff like, you know, Calvin Harris just selling his music library to like private equity and things like that. But at, at the kind of base level, starting a label like that and operating it, like what, what goes into that? How does, how does the business model work? It, it's just like any other business. There's multiple revenue streams from songwriting, performing merchandise. And uh, for Taylor gang, where we offer a, multiple different services we you know we have an investment vehicle we have a a management company we have a production management company and we have a record label um, along with our other business ventures and and just having a team that services it and delegating out and everyone doing their job is is just how how we run our business yeah and is that is that an arena where there's like a lot of inbounding in terms of people hitting you up being like i should be the next person on the label oh every day yeah every day yeah so 
it, can you tell a story of like maybe the times when someone's actually broken through like what part of the differentiation was as opposed to just spamming you that maybe made I it think, happen? you know, for me and like how I look at things is this things have to be real. Like I was saying earlier, there's so much hype. I have to feel that it's real. So I need to have a, my own connection or Wiz needs to have a connection with someone to feel it. Just everyone can make great music at this point. There's computers can make algorithmically good music that people are going to enjoy so you need to have uh you need to see a movement going on you need to have a connection with that person and i think that's that's how we get through it just like anything and seeing through the hype beast that's why i love you know being in pittsburgh is you can get a real gauge on thing where people in la are like this is the next thing i go to pittsburgh and I ask some of my friends hey have you ever heard of this they're like fuck no you know that's how you're like okay this guy that just told me he's a nationwide star yeah he's not because yeah. these people are read pop culture things they're in it but they're you know they don't have access to all the hype beast LA New York things and if they don't know then I would assume there are some America doesn't know and you're just hyping me up makes sense so how much of your time do you spend between the two um before covid it was like 70% LA 30% Pittsburgh uh after like now I'm just here and you know we have an office here the studios here Everything is on the internet, so as long as I have the internet, can can really work from wherever. Do you feel like that's going to go back to 70-30, 50-50? Like, what do you... Who knows? Especially with what's going on in the world, it's changing every day, all the issues going on in the world. I have no idea, but I'm loving being in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Um, I would imagine, though, like, so, so I guess this deal got done for the, the Cloud Kitchen with um, I'm blanking on the company names now. That Ordermark. Ne- Ordermark and Nextbyte. That happened via Zoom and via the... Yeah, the we had to have calls. meetings, a, a few in-person meetings. Like I, I have to travel a little bit, yeah. but nothing that I need to be out there for months and months at a time. At. Just go do, do a few meetings, see, see who I need to see and come back. But that's part of the filtering, though. You still need to kind of get in the room with the same person. Yeah. Like that, that's just, I don't, I don't see that going away anytime. No, but I, I think it'll be much less intense than what it used to be. Like, I just heard, you know, uh, schools, there's no more snow days. Yeah. You heard that? Like, yeah. it's just the changing of times. And I think, especially after COVID, tons of businesses are going to look like, hey, we spend so much money on overhead and we were pretty much just as like efficient with everyone working on zoom i am the number one believer in in person and that's how you really develop a relationship but who knows how the world's going to shift are there other things that you guys need to cut out though because a lot of like if you're creating content if you're uploading something to youtube if you're putting out like ip basically it has this it's very light that the 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 reason that a lot of people aspire to that as a business model is when it works it's a very high margin endeavor right it depends. It just depends. Everyone's different, you know? Yeah. Every Everyone's different. So another question that I had was associated with what do people not appreciate about the business that you guys have run or the, or what you've built? Like what 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 is like a misconception or... That everyone just gets drunk and high and hangs out all day and everything's awesome. Yeah. It's... I... I I push very hard to keep it like any other business. Like I get up early, go to work, you know, have employees, have meetings. Everyone needs to do reports. It, it it takes a lot to move a train. And I think just like anything, you you can make anything look good on the internet. And that's the whole point is to make it look like everything's sweet. But people believe that that's just how every single day is. It's like we could put two weeks of footage into, you know, eight minutes and people think that's all one day. It's like... 
That is not how every day goes. Yeah, that was the highlights of the Yeah, highlights. this is a highlight reel of the last two weeks. This isn't one day. This is everything that happens in eight minutes. Yeah, you live in a spreadsheet or in some sort of invoicing software. Yeah, like people have no idea that accounting exists or lawyers or anything negative in the music industry. Like, you guys just get high and like make music and like enjoy each other's company. Like, yeah, right. <laughs> Not that we don't do those things, but like that's not the only thing we do. Yeah, and 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 that's that's also the the brand that's being built and what most of the fans are going to interact with and want to understand. Yes, yeah, and you know, and we know that too. And there, there's definitely a fun side, and and I'm beyond blessed, and we all are to be able to do what we do. But when people think it's, it was oh, you guys just got lucky, you smoked weed on everything, and it was great. Like, no way. Yeah. So, what about anything for the future? Like, what what is Next, outside of obviously more music inevitably, but what what other kind of projects have you really stoked for next steps? Um, we have a couple of different uh, virtual reality things that we're working on that I'm really excited about. And I think that's a, a really tough space. Uh, that and, you know, I'm excited to grow the companies that we have. I'm excited to grow Hotbox and watch it become like a household name. Same with our cannabis company. Um, we're partners in a, in Shop GLD, and I think that's a really fun, cool business. And and we have a liquor, McQueen and the Violet Fog, we're partners in as well. And watching that is like watching an artist's career. Like, you know, it goes from small, and as, as it gets bigger and bigger, it's it's like a fun puzzle to figure out. So on the VR front, we've talked to Travis Scott concert in Fortnite. Marshmallow did one. Like, is that, is that kind of adjacent to what you're talking about like being yeah yep both of their managers are, are good friends of mine and, and everyone did it a little different we we've already done one we did it within oculus with uh with oculus in their venues app gotcha we did one uh thug did one gonna did one uh I f- there's there was like it was like a seven part series i forget who did the rest of them but you know it was really cool to see how we could build out the stage and can make things happen around you know in this whole world and it was really interesting to to like be in an audience where you could talk to other people sitting next to each other but you weren't actually next to them in real life there was a crowd though you could hear other people's conversations it was it was really neat yeah and it's just a a taste of uh, it's going to get so much better in the next 10 years and i think in you know in 10 years it's going to be ridiculous yeah i went to south by southwest um in two, i want to say 2017 and I tried it and I had had like two drinks and I put them on and I was literally physically nauseous <laughs> immediately because the, whatever the pixels or the, the processing rate, it just didn't, it didn't work out. And then over the last holiday season, my in-laws have had gotten the Oculus and we just like played around with it in the living room and it was staggering the amount of improvement that's happened in just that short of time. Oh, yeah. And I would just imagine so 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 where that takes me is like the standard model for a tour is we do this show and there's little tweaks happening but like the the equipment and the staging and everything that it it gets picked up and it travels to the next city and then it gets picked up and it travels to the next city and we kind of have to pick the like cities that we know can sell out venues of a certain size but it's the same show over and over again. It seems like the potential with VR is that whole business model shifts to we could create one spectacular show, put the whole budget of all those 30 locations into one show one time and then sell not just to those markets, but to all the markets everywhere. 
Yes, that is a possibility. I think, like we said earlier, there's always something to, to be said about that those in-person experiences, which is why it'll never go away. But I think that will become more of an option. And, and I think that option will really grow with DJs in the EDM world and stuff like that. Yeah. Where, you know, people can feel like they're in a concert and, you know, especially those EDM concerts, like they can put their headset on and just live in this crazy world and be on Molly or shrooms or whatever. And just be like, this is crazy. Yeah. Cause they are already relying on the lights. Cause it's not the music. It's not like the music is like some in-depth musical, anything, or even the lyrics matter that much in that world. In that world, people are just like, "Mm." it's experiential. And like, they want to look at the lights and like be with their friends. And if people can just get drunk and put a headset on in their living room, game changing. Yeah. What about gaming? What about like the the persona of like we're into gaming, we're we're correlating with some of these like gaming brands like Hundred Thieves, ones like that? Yeah, I mean we're partners in the Knights. We were early partners in them. We've been partners with them for a few years and their their back end's really cool and I think they're just building you know, we're building out the brand like anything else. And all all those companies, the Thieves, FaZe Clan, all you know, they everyone has their strengths and weaknesses and It'll be interesting to see where the space goes. We we did a, a super cool uh, streaming event with them. It was like eight hours, and we raised like over sixty five grand for charity with them in April or May. I forget, but you know that world's ever evolving, and, and it, it, as much it is as it is gaming and tournaments, it's content, just content in general. And that to me, that seems like another arena very similar to hip hop where like we can kind of be under the same banner of, of the same label, same team, but we're also like very kind of independent in terms of the expression of how people consume us or people how people consume these different personas. It seems like there's a lot of similarities there. Definitely. Definitely is. Cool. Well, Will, um, we're close in time limit here. Before we ask the same last two questions, anything else you're hoping to share about restaurant anything else i didn't give you a chance to yeah just make sure you try hotbox by wiz khalifa kush will be in pennsylvania soon try mcqueen in the violet fog it's in wine and spirits go check out the the pittsburgh knights page check out the taylor gang page yeah all those fun things right on um and if people want to connect with you in the digital world i i, I don't think i have too many aspiring hip-hop artists so i don't think you'll necessarily get that <laughs> spam but but where can people find you on the internet uh my instagram is uh wgd6788 and my twitter is just real taylor gang so is that hand the wg67 i just said it wrong Birthday initials. Birthday initials. Simple enough. Okay. Because the first time I saw it, I, I like saw the account. I was like, ah, this is just like some sort of spam account. But I was wrong. <laughs> um, all right. So let's leave, folks. Uh, we'll link to all of that stuff, all the brands, if you want to check those out. Uh, and Will's links in the show notes for this episode. You can find it at goingdeepwithaaron.com slash podcast or in the app where you're probably listening to this right now. Uh, but before I let you go, I want to have you issue an actionable personal challenge for the audience find a second hustle if you can't find a second hustle you're not doing enough because there is so many of them out there and it doesn't need to be a massive doesn't need no matter how big or how small you can always find a second source of income so tell me about the the ranking of the hustles when you were still at school at penn state so you're, you're going to classes you were promoting the concerts in the first half of the week and you were also I'm going from personal assistant to co-manager to manager for Wiz. Yeah. So at school, it would be doing the shows during the week. And then Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Wiz would usually have shows. So I'd have to drive back to Pittsburgh from Penn State, do the shows, fly out, come back, drive back. 
Right on. So that was a pain in the ass, but it works out. But I yeah. mean, that's what it takes for, if you want a special result, that's what it takes. Totally. Two hustles. Amen. Uh, well, Will, thanks for coming on the podcast, man. Of I course. appreciate you coming out here. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. We just went deep with Will Dizonback. Hope out there has a fantastic day. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the end of my conversation with Will. We have a ton of other fantastic interviews in our back catalog. We recently talked with a brilliant entrepreneur making better soil, Brian Scott. We've also spoken with restaurateur and James Beard semi-finalist chef, Jamilka Borges. There's so many fantastic conversations. There are so many fantastic entrepreneurs in the city of Pittsburgh. Make sure you are subscribed so you don't miss a single one of them here on Going Deep with Aaron Watson. Thanks for listening. Connect with Aaron on Twitter and Instagram at AaronWatson59.